Well, good morning. Uh, Again, my name is Nick. I'm the pastor of student ministries here uh, at Fellowship Church. And I want to just, again, thank you so much for joining us on this very uh, unique Sunday, but one that I get very excited for. I'm really uh, honored and privileged to be able to get to know all of these students and see how God works in and through their lives each and every week. And so before we dive in uh, to our passage this morning, I'd like to start off by asking a question. How many of you have ever heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Anybody? Show of hands. Okay. And just to clarify, it's not the Tower of Pizza. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Okay. Well, you know, this is one of those landmarks that I think we hear about often, but yet we don't really know its history. Well, in the 12th century, in the town of Pisa, Italy... This town set to turn its cathedral square into this magnificent landmark. They wanted to build something memorable. Well, in 1173, they decided to build a beautiful freestanding bell tower. And they enlisted the very best architects, or so they thought. As they began to build, these architects believed that a three-meter foundation would be sufficient for this tower. Well, they began to build this tower, and about five years after the project began, the tower began to sink on the southern side. And I guess they didn't really take into consideration the wet, clay-like soil that is very prominent in this area, which to me seems ironic considering the name Pisa in the Greek literally translates to wet, marshy land, as if that wasn't a clue, maybe. But hey, who am I? So over the years, they brought in more architects to correct this issue. And as they continued to build, they thought, well, what if we, as we build more floors, put more weight on the other side, maybe it'll balance out a little bit or, or however they decided to do that. Well, it continued to become more and more unstable and lean more. So for centuries, they continued to brainstorm on how we can correct this issue, but it just continued to sink and continued to lean more. Well, by the 1990s, it was so bad that they ended up closing the tower to the public and they ended up like removing soil from underneath the tower to see if it would like help balance it out a little bit. Um, And it helped some. And so they say now it's much more stable and experts say that the tower should last roughly 200 years, but here's hoping, right? So all that to say, when the original architects began this project, my guess is that they didn't start out by saying, you know what would be a great idea? Hear me out. What if we built a tower that was leaning and was going to cause problems for centuries to come? Wouldn't that be a great pitch? Wouldn't that be a great idea? My guess is that was not their plan. They began to construct this tower, but really didn't plan for it to eventually be leaning. But why did it end up looking like this? Because it had a poor foundation. And over the years, they've had to spend an estimated like $100 million to correct this issue. And there's a lot of numbers all over the place. But in short, a lot of money and time has gone into correcting this issue. And so I think often, maybe when we've heard of this tower, uh, we think, oh, they did this on purpose. This was intentional. They wanted to build this, uh, you know, memorable landmark. Well, 
they got it, but I don't think maybe this was the plan in which they wanted to achieve this. But this landmark was actually the result of a colossal mistake, building on a poor foundation. And so why do I share that story? No matter how beautiful the building, if it has a bad foundation, it will have problems and eventually crumble. In fact, Jesus addresses this very principle. And so if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to pull that out and open it. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7 this morning. So Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 24 through 27. And let me just read it one more time just to kind of provide us a little bit more context. This is Jesus talking. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so prior to this passage here, Jesus has spent the last few chapters covering a whole host of topics, which leads up all the way to these verses here in Matthew chapter 7. And so Jesus starts off by saying, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so again, he's saying, everyone who hears these words of mine, and so uh, speaking of context, students, when we see that, we go, okay, well, what has he been talking about up to this point? And so I see he's kind of uh, drawing to the end of this great sermon, and he's covering all these different topics. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, referring to everything he's just been talking about, and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus essentially says, if you hear what I'm saying and actually do what I'm saying, you will be wise. How wise? Like someone who built their house on the rock. And so he illustrates his point here by comparing two homes. One home was built on the rock, the solid foundation, and the other home was built on sand, maybe a not so great foundation. And you might be thinking, well, why would someone build their house on a surface that's clearly not stable? Seems pretty obvious. Maybe not to the architects of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but why would they build their houses on sand? Well, during the summer months, the sandy areas around the Sea of Galilee would become really hard on the surface. It would get so warm that the ground, the sand, would become so hard-packed together. And so many people, when they would settle, became convinced that some of these sandy, hard areas were actually good places to build a house. But they were deceived because this area was also known for strong storms and flooding which often came out of nowhere. Mark chapter four is a great example of that. There's a lot of examples in the scriptures. And so they would move to these areas thinking this is a really solid place to build a house. 
but they didn't account for the storms, the wind, the rain that would then make this sandy area become very wet and become unstable for homes. And so people would build these homes and it would not be suitable. Their foundation was built on a lie and they thought it was good to build, but it was not. And eventually houses would crumble and fall away. And these storms that would come through this area, they're not just your average summer thunderstorm. Winds could be well over 100 miles per hour, which are hurricane-like winds. And so these storms that would roll in were not to be messed with. And so you needed a strong foundation to endure these storms. And you can have two identical homes But that doesn't mean that both homes will hold up over time. Because one of the most important aspects of a home is the foundation. And so Jesus isn't just giving good real estate advice. I mean, he's a carpenter. He knows a thing or two. But he's talking about something much deeper than homes. He's talking about the foundation of our lives. Jesus is saying, if you hear and do what I've just been teaching you, it's the equivalent of building your house on solid ground. So when the storms come, you won't crumble. And so Jesus didn't say, well, if the rain comes, if the storms come, wouldn't that be a lot easier verse to navigate? Listen to the tone in which he says this. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. Well, to me, it sounds much more like a matter of when than if. And so keep in mind, both homes that he gives examples of have storms. The home built on sandy, not so solid ground, that had to endure a storm. And the house that was built on a solid foundation also had to endure a storm. And so just because you have a firm foundation doesn't negate the reality that there will be storms. Storms are inevitable. But let's just pause. What does Jesus mean when he's referring to storms? Well, in the most basic sense here, trials, struggles, worldly lies, Attacks from Satan, anything that could cause your house to fall. And I think it's important to note here too, that it's not just the big storm that can tear down the house, tear down the foundation. Sometimes it's the slow leak that affects the foundation that can lead to all sorts of problems. It's not always just the big storm that comes through and tears down our house and the foundation of our lives. But often it's that little drip, the little things that happen that slowly erode away at our foundation if they are not addressed. And so Laura and I, we like to watch this renovation show called Hometown. And if you would have said to me a few years ago that I would watch a lot of home renovation shows in my spare time, well... Christ-like maturity, I guess. I don't know. But we watched this show called Hometown, and we've seen a number of episodes where people go and they buy this house, this really nice-looking house. Looks beautiful, beautiful yard, beautiful home. And they go to do renovations, 
And they soon find out that the foundation is all messed up due to unaddressed issues that have cultivated over time. Some of the homes that they get into look great. And as soon as they open up a wall, they find that the whole thing is on cardboard because termites have got in, hollowed everything out. And so often we look at the home and we say, wow, this looks beautiful. But then when you look at the foundation, you get inside and you realize there's a bigger problem happening here. Often the result of something slow happening over time, a slow leak that erodes away at the foundation termites getting into the walls, whatever it may be. But we don't often see the damage on the outside. And so it's not just the big storms. Oftentimes it's the unaddressed, small, constant leaks that we have in our lives that can cause a lot of damage. So a question to think about for you is, are there leaks in your life that could be eroding away your foundation? Are there things in your life that you know is not what God wants, but you just keep around and it just drips and drips and slowly erodes away at your foundation? Are there things in your life that you know something is happening here behind the walls and you're not addressing those things? It could slowly eat away at the foundation of your lives. And on the flip side, Jesus then says in verse 26, he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so again, it's not just the storms or the small leaks that can cause problems. If you know what God is calling you to do and do not follow him, Jesus says that's the same as building your house on a bad foundation. If you know what God is calling you to do and you do not do that, if you choose to not follow him, Jesus says That's the equivalent of building your house on a bad foundation. You can have the right plans in front of you, but if you don't follow the plans, you can have a bad outcome. I mean, if you've ever put together something from Ikea, if you don't have those directions, you're in big trouble. And I'm the one that's like, I got this. Not even a half a page in, I'm like, never mind, And I go back to it. But you can have the plans right in front of you. But if you don't follow those plans, you could end up with a bad outcome, a bad foundation. If you build a chair, not using the directions, I might be a little hesitant to sit on that chair. So don't miss what Jesus is saying here. Merely hearing God's word alone isn't enough to provide a solid lasting foundation. It's necessary that we are also doers of the word. James 1 says this, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. And so you can know all the answers. You can have everything memorized. You can quote it. You can be familiar with Jesus but that doesn't mean that you're building your foundation on him. You can be very familiar with Jesus. You can know Jesus from afar. You can have knowledge of him, but that doesn't necessarily mean you are building your foundation on Jesus Christ. And so 
what does it mean to be a hearer and a doer? Let me just quickly clarify what I mean by that. In short, a hearer, boiled down, means to know God's word, but not live it out. And so this word hear here means to consider, to comprehend, to know cognitively. You understand, you kind of comprehend, you have this cognitive knowledge of you, you hear things, you know things. But then doer is to listen, know, and put into action God's word. To be transformed by, and this word doer literally means to carry out, to produce, to bear fruit. In context here, to be a doer means that there is fruit being produced. There's something that people can see. Something is happening. So you hear is to say, well, I know all about fruit trees. I can tell you any fact about them. I can tell you where to plant the seeds, all those things. But to be a doer is to say, here's a basket of fruit. And so James here describes being a hearer of the word like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and walks away. And so those who hear and don't change are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and not even two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. And so to be a hearer only is to know God's word and walk away unchanged. To be a hearer only is to know God's word and walk away unchanged. And so we're not called only to be hearers, but we're also called to be doers. And so a healthy person here looks in the mirror to do something, not just to admire what's in the mirror, but we look into God's word to respond, to change, not just store up facts or knowledge that we won't put to use. So it was very common for people in the times of scripture to listen to a teacher. People often listen to so many teachers, but to actually follow a teacher, to hear what a teacher says and follow them to implement what they are trying to teach, they would call those people disciples. To hear a teacher and then actually follow what they're teaching, to do what they're teaching, they call those disciples. And so Jesus is looking for disciples, doers, not merely hearers. And what's the consequence of only being hearers of the word and not doers? Well, verse 27 says, and great was the fall of it. And this Greek word here means downfall. And this word here literally has the connotation of a house or structure crumbling. If you've ever seen those videos where they, you know, kind of um, bring down a a skyscraper and the the bottom of the, the tower kind of just goes out in the whole building. That's what this word alludes to. And great was the fall of it. And so what is Jesus trying to teach here? He's urging the audience to choose the right foundation. To hear and follow him is to build your house on the rock. Sure foundation, not sandy ground. To build your house on a firm foundation. Well, so what does building a house on sandy ground look like? What what do I mean when I say this? Well, here's some examples. Living your life on your own making your own rules, 
You decide what's good and what's bad doing life on your own. Jesus calls that foolish building. And so on the opposite side, what does building a foundation on the rock look like? Well, trusting Christ's words, building your life, every part of your life on the person, work, and truth of Jesus Christ. And I put in there every part of your life. If there are certain parts you want to build your life on, on Christ, and then there are a few other areas where you're like, I'm just going to keep that over here. I'm going to do what I want to do. Drip, drip, drip. We are called to build every part of our life on the truth of Jesus Christ. And so that's what it means to not only hear, but to do. A life built on the truth of Jesus. A life that hangs on every truth Jesus said, knowing that if Jesus was wrong, our lives would mean nothing. But if Jesus is right, then it means everything. And so Jesus is calling followers of him to build the foundation of their lives and faith on him, not on what will cause inevitable destruction. And so here are just a few realities that we see here in this passage. Number one, we are all building a foundation whether we realize it or not. If you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I'm not really sure what foundation I'm building it on. Each and every one of us are building our lives on a foundation. The question is what foundation is it? It doesn't matter what age or stage of life you're in. Each and every one of us are currently building our lives upon a foundation. Each and every one of us are building our lives on a foundation. And so the question is, what and ultimately who are you building your foundation on? And number two, storms will come in your life. It's not a matter of if, but when. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trials and sorrows. And so storms will come. Doesn't matter what foundation you have, storms will come And we can't escape the storms of this life. But the question is, how are you preparing for those storms? How are you preparing for those storms? Because the storms don't choose the foundation. The storms reveal the foundation. The storms reveal where our lives are at. And so when we are in the midst of those storms, our foundation is going to is going to become very clear very quickly. And if you're not prepared and ready, Jesus himself said, it won't end well. You will fall. It will crumble. And so here's my point. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. So the question is, what or who are you standing on yourself, your own desires, what the world wants or God's word that is moving and active sharper than any double-edged sword. And so this is why we as a church are committed to doing our part to the best of our ability to help students develop a biblical worldview, to build their lives upon a firm foundation To build a foundation that is built on Christ, the rock. Not worldly, empty, sandy thinking. 
And so that's why this past fall, we spent the entire semester working through the book of Colossians, learning about the supremacy of Christ. Yes, we talked about the supremacy of Christ with teenagers. And my belief is let's continue to raise the bar because I believe the world expects a lot lower out of them. But when we and our leaders would agree with this, when we interact with them, the bar is way higher than they could ever imagine. And you know what? They can do it. And it's through the grace and strength of God and his word. And so we talked about the supremacy of Christ. Took us a little while to, you know, pronounce supremacy, but we got there. And so in chapter two of Colossians, Paul writes this, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And so these verses right here encapsulate what we are trying to do within our youth ministry to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and invite students to respond, to be built up and establishing their foundation on Jesus, not worldly empty thinking, to teach, train, and mobilize students to walk in Christ. And our hope and prayer are that the foundation of students' faith is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. My hope and prayer is that each and every student that we have the opportunity to enjoy to serve, that they would build their foundation on Jesus Christ alone. Not to build a foundation on me or my faith, not for them to build their foundation on TNT or our youth ministry, not Christian culture, not some Christian organization, not their family's faith. Not a prayer that they prayed years ago, but that they would build their foundation in Jesus Christ by grace through faith in him alone. That they would build their foundation on Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that we don't help them and teach them that foundation. But ultimately we want them, I hope and pray 10, 20 years from now that they would say, you know what? My faith is built on Jesus not just the thing I went to for a while in high school or Pastor Nick's teachings or whatever. That they would build their foundation on Jesus Christ because he will never fail them. And that's why we desire to help students develop a biblical worldview. And when I use that word worldview, this is how we define it for our students. How we see and interpret the world around us. Each and every one of us have a worldview, how we see and then interpret the world. And so our hope is to challenge our students to actually develop a biblical worldview, to see and interpret the world through the pages of scripture. It brings me so much joy when students come and talk to me and they say, Hey, there's this issue I'm working through. What does God's word say about it? Can you help me see what he has said? And I'm like, let's Go, Because we must have a biblical worldview because we are all building a foundation. And if you have the wrong worldview, it changes how you see and interpret the world, which leads to you building your house on sand. But having a biblical worldview or seeing the world through the lens of the Bible leads to you building your foundation on a house that will not fall. 
building your house on a foundation that will not fall. And that is built on Jesus Christ, again, who is our firm foundation. And friends, the reality is there are a lot of lies out there and it can be easy to believe them. And not only that, Satan is on the advance constantly. He's a lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. And it's because of this that this past semester, we worked through a series called Lenses, where each week we examined a false worldview or a lie and we helped reframe it through the lens of scripture so that students would know the truth. Truth from God's word. And so some of the lies we addressed included, if I'm a good person, I'll go to heaven. Do whatever makes you happy. I'll get right with God when I'm older. No one knows what I'm going through. And a whole host of others. And we got to hear from students, current students, leaders, TNT alumni, and to address these lies that so many of us, as well as our students, easily can buy into. And if we don't share truth with them, they're going to believe the lies. And that's our hope, is to help them see what God has said. And it's amazing when we talk to students and they say, well, God didn't talk about these issues with me. And we soon soon get into the pages of scripture and we soon help them realize, wait, God talked about this issue? God gave me what I needed for right now? Yes, he did. And so our hope was to better equip students to identify those lies that our world wants us to believe and become more strongly established in a biblical foundation, one that is built on Jesus. And so that's why we have TNT, Thursday night teens. We take time each week to study God's word and process it. I think at least half of the night, if not more, is spent in Bible study and small groups, processing what we've learned and how to implement it into our lives. This is why we take students to Student Life Missions Camp to provide opportunities for them to worship, grow, and serve, to have these students for an entire week to do Bible study, to worship together, to have deep, meaningful conversations, to get out of their comfort zone here and go somewhere that's new and different, where they're often faced with the reality of, who am I in Christ? What do I believe? And it's amazing when you get people out of their comfort zone, they look in the mirror and quickly see something or someone that maybe they didn't realize. And then we have that opportunity and joy to point them to God's word to say, well, this is what God says about who you are. That you were his workmanship created for good works. And so that's why side note, we would be so blessed if you would consider attending our youth auction on Sunday to help us raise money to help students pay their way to camp so that they can have transformational opportunities and to build a strong foundation. And so side note here, we're going to be hearing some testimonies from students and how God has worked in their lives over the years of camp. And so it's going to be a really encouraging night as well. And so I would really encourage you to whomever you're able to invite to participate that we could uh, reach our goal to help provide scholarships for all of our students to be able to go to camp to have these opportunities to be transformed, to worship, grow, and serve. And so we'll have some students actually out at the table, outside the cafe, uh, if you have any questions or want to sign up. 
And so having this biblical foundation, establishing this biblical foundation, that's also why we have Kids for Truth. And you got to see some of that last week. Teaching kids from a young age, helping them build a firm foundation. I mean, we just saw a small example of that. I mean, these kids are learning biblical theology and how to actually live it out. Isn't that amazing? We're called to build a firm foundation to help this generation as well as the next generation build a firm foundation. And so if you desire to be used by God in some way to help teach and train our kids, our teenagers, I would love to encourage you to talk to Judy, talk to myself, because we have this incredible opportunity to help them build a firm, lasting foundation. And I know you will be blessed to be used by God to participate in that process. One of my greatest joys is to be able to see those moments when the light bulbs click for students. And Gordon Michaela mentioned that to see those moments where they're like, wait a minute, you're telling me that salvation is by grace through faith. Not what I have to do. We have the joy and privilege to participate in that in ways that I honestly wish I had a lot earlier in my life, but thanks be to God that he had a plan for me. Because the reality is what we decide to do with our kids and with our students now That's where we're going to see our world in the next 30 years. What we decide to do now with them is going to drastically influence where we want to see our world. And so we often say within our youth ministry, we want to see impact now, but we want to do what we can and be faithful in a way so that we can see impact 10, 20, 30 years from now. And let me be clear too. It's, this is not just for those participating formally in those ministries, Each and every one of us are called to participate in discipling the next generation in some way. The question is not a matter of if, it's a matter of what it looks like for you. It can be easy for us to say, well, that's that's for the kids' ministry volunteers. That's for the youth ministry. But we are part of one body called to train and equip the next generation. And so the question is not a matter of, If you have a role in that, it's a matter of what does that role look like? Maybe it's serving formally. Maybe it's simply welcoming and saying hi to a student when they come into church. If I can give you a little piece of advice, they're probably a lot more afraid of you than you are of them. Just encouraging a student that they're here to me is a, is a beautiful win. Encourage them, pray for them, whatever that looks like. I would invite you to consider what your role in discipling the next generation looks like. But the question I want to ultimately leave you with this morning is this. What foundation are you building your life on? What foundation are you building your life on? Because again, you're building a foundation. The question is what or who are you building it on? doesn't matter if you're 12 years old, 90. What foundation are you building your life on? Is it Jesus or is it worldly lies? It doesn't matter. So we are called to not just simply be hearers of God's word, but doers. And I'm not implying that we earn our salvation because that is not true. Because salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
But if we want to continue building a foundation on Christ, we must not simply hear or just know the word of God, but we actually have to follow it. To be a disciple is to hear and respond, to go and make disciples. And that's why Jesus himself said in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if we, if you believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done, then follow him. Doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road, but I promise you it'll be the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. Why? Well, number one, Jesus asks us to follow him. He says in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was pretty clear and upfront. If you want to come after me, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Not be perfect, not have your life together, have all the answers, but to follow Jesus. And how we live actually shows what we believe. James 2 says all about that. And that's that passage where it says faith without works is dead. And so the reality is how we live reflects what we actually believe. And then number three, James 4 says it's actually sin to know what you should do and not do it. That's a verse that we don't talk about a lot, do we? It's sin to know what you should do and not do it. And so if you know what God is calling you to do, and yet you decide, no, I'm not going to do that. That's sin. And so there's plenty more that we could talk about, but my hope and prayer for you this morning is that you would build your life upon Jesus Christ, who is a firm foundation that will never crumble. That you would build your life on Jesus Christ, who is a firm foundation that will never crumble. And trust me, if you do this, you will never truly regret it. That's my hope and prayer for each and every one of you, is to build your foundation on Jesus Christ. Because that foundation will never crumble. And so what foundation are you building your life on today? What foundation are you building your life on today? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word and that it is sufficient and has everything that we need, God. God, I pray that for each and every individual that is here this morning, that we would not merely just hear your word, but that we would be changed and transformed by it and that we would respond to it. Like the woman at the well, when she encountered Jesus, she couldn't help but leave a different person with a different mission and a different lifestyle. And God, I pray that we would follow you, Lord Jesus, that we would build our lives on your truth, your word, what you've done for us. And God, we know that you're not calling us to be perfect, but you're calling us to follow you and trust in you. And so God, I pray that right now, even the spirit of God may start to reveal to us, are there leaks in our lives that maybe we're not addressing? Or to think about what foundation am I truly building my life on? And God, I pray that today might be the day that somebody 
would say, I'm going to place my eternal foundation in the work of Jesus Christ alone. Or that maybe somebody today would say, I need to make a change in my life and I'm going to follow after Jesus and desire to please him in every area of my life. God, thank you for this time and through your word. Thank you for each and every student that participated today. And may you continue to lead and guide and care for them in ways that I never could. God, thank you for your firm foundation. Help us to build our lives upon who you are because you are a foundation that will never crumble. The worst storm can never take that away from us. And God, help us to rest in that truth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.